I'm inviting you into this A Gabrielle exclusive. Keep the conversation going by following A.Gabrielle exclusives on Instagram. Hello, and welcome to another A Gabrielle exclusive. Thank you for tuning in to this episode we're calling Things I Wish I Would Have Known Before Adulting, Part 2. Last week, it was the ladies show, but we decided to mix it up a little bit this week and we invited some male perspective. So I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm Justin Herman. Uh, graduated from Texas College in Tyler, Texas. I teach uh, juniors and seniors. I teach physics and chemistry. And my uh, crush as when I was younger, I had a couple shout out to my black queens. Shout out to Kelly Rowland, Bay forever, number one. Uh, also Tasha from uh, Everybody Hates Chris. You know what I'm saying? She was up there. And shout out to uh, Lauren London as well. Thank you, Justin. Um, hey, my name's Dooney. Um, I graduated from UTA. I am currently going to SMU for counseling and um, I teach ninth grade English. A celebrity crush. I think I might have to go with Trey Songs. Like, I just, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dooney. What's going on? My name is Daniel Smith, graduated from the University of North Texas. I work as an IT consultant for a technology company. And my celebrity crush would have to be Megan Good. That's a, that's a, that's a bad woman, for sure. I feel like I'm also wondering how many of these celebrity crushes that you had as a child you still have today. But we'll move on past that. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Hey guys, my name is Daria. I graduated from University of North Texas with an accounting degree. I currently work as an accountant as well. I'm working on my MBA in finance right now. And uh, my celebrity crush, I had like the two most basic crushes, Chris Brown and Trey Songz, that everyone had crushes on when they were growing up. So yeah. Yeah, I know. I definitely had a crush on Chris Brown. So I'm right there with you, girl. So you all mentioned your childhood celebrity crushes, but we're actually here, I guess, to talk about the other end of the scale, which is adulthood. So keeping in theme with the show, I've asked each of you to prepare a list of five things that you wish you would have known before adulting. So we'll switch back over to guest number one and see what he has to share with us. I got a couple of things um, that I wish I would have known. Uh, I feel like some basic that everybody's going to have. But my first thing uh, would be how expensive food is. When you're in college, you know, you're on a struggle diet. And so you're not really going out and buying meals. But then, like, you know, you graduate, you know, you get your own apartment. You're like, you know what, I'm making, you know what I'm saying, I'm making some change now. I can go, I can go, I don't have to, you know, go buy a 28-pack of ramen. You know, I can go, I can get some chicken, I can get some steak. And, and then you go to your, you know, you go to check out. And then, you know, you accidentally spend $350, like when you didn't mean to. And uh, so that would be, that's one of mine, just like how expensive food is, how to budget. Um, uh, also having a work-life balance. You know, we saw our parents work and come home and cook and clean and go out on dates. And stuff, but we never like really just asked them like, yo, how do you balance it all? Because I know a lot, of, a lot of the times I get caught up in work. I get caught up. Uh, bringing work home and working till 10, 11, 12 at night. And I didn't have any unwind time, you know, any time to myself, you know, to appreciate me and, you know, reap the benefits of working hard all day. So 
uh, work-life balance. Another one I have is just uh, credit, not truly understanding credit. Like when I first graduated, I think I graduated three years ago, 2017. I don't think I know. I graduated in 2017. And so coming out, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm gonna get a car. I'm gonna go get a credit card. I'm gonna get any, basically all of this stuff that I didn't know really hit my credit. And then I think I checked it like a year later and I was in some trouble because I had all this, all these inquiries on my credit. And I was just like, yo, why does it look like this? Like, I ain't gonna tell y'all what the score was, but it just, just know it wasn't, it wasn't the best. And so I had to read up on that and I had to talk to people, had to get some financial advice. And as a man, sometimes that's tough because it's like, some people look at you like, you ain't know that. And I'm just like, I mean, I really had nobody to teach me. Uh, but I did have to humble myself and and ask for help. Uh, and you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm right now, but that was uh, one thing I had to do. Uh, the other one I had was understanding health insurance uh, and you know how they deduct it, how they take it out of your check. Um, Cause you know, I'm thinking I got some great insurance and then I go in and I got like a $300 copay and I'm like, but I'm they taking this much out of my check, but it seems not to be doing something. So um, that's, that's something I had to understand as well. And when the fifth one is couponing, uh, how to coupon, hey, that definitely gonna save you some change. That one goes with my first one about food. So I definitely, I used to look at people who coupon, I'm like, bro, ain't nobody got time for that. But then when you come become an adult, you definitely find out you have time for that. I definitely have time to cut some coupons and, and save me some change. So those are my five. Wow, thanks, Justin. Yeah, I know I'm real quick to hop in the line and be like, oh, while I'm in this line, coupon for, and I'm like, oh, 15% off, can I combine? How many, when does this expire? So no, I feel the coupon and I'm right there with you. Um, Dooney, what do you have for us? Justin, I relate though to your budgeting. I was not good at budgeting because I was a server. And so I would just have, I would leave with cash every day. So it really wasn't like I needed to budget. If I needed to work, I would, I mean, if I needed some cash, I would just go and work and then I would leave with some cash. So it was whenever I had to, whenever I became a teacher and I was on that one month salary, I was like, what is this? I don't get another paycheck. <laughs> so I relate, I relate. But, um, my five, they're a little less tangible, but as I was thinking about it earlier today, um, one is for sure a savings account. I Rainy days happen all the time, more often than not, I feel like. So if I knew that I should have a savings account and just putting money in there out of my paycheck, I think that would be helpful um, before stuff happens and then I just have to use whatever money I have left. So definitely a savings account, I think is really important. Another one would be, um, I feel like as children, like going into adulthood, we're like really bombarded with a lot of information and ideas from other people. And we get them from like social media, parents and friends in order for us to like produce our own ideas. And so I think before entering adulthood, I wish I just would know that, I wish I would have known that like, my ideas and someone else's ideas can coexist, but I don't have to accept it. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to take that as my truth. You know, I don't have to think that that's the only way to do something. And um, I think 
as a child, I feel like that's the only way we know how to do it as seeing other people do it. So we accept their ideas, we accept whatever they have before we kind of produce our own thoughts. Another one is um, how essential role models and mentors are to your growth from childhood to adulthood. I wish I knew that beforehand because a lot of people who are successful now and who are wise, they've had someone in their life that they've looked up to, they've, they've taught them, you know, right from wrong, or just has taught them any kind of lesson to help them um, not do the same thing, not have things repeat itself. And so I think having role models is really important so that if I knew that beforehand, I would know that to place myself in right situations in order to help myself grow, I would be able to, I would seek out other people um, who, I, who resonate with the same qualities that I want to grow into. And, you know, just be more intentional with what I'm doing. Another thing would be to, um, to know that platonic relationships can be um, as beneficial and important as romantic ones. Instead of thinking that, like, as a child, we romanticize or we see through social media that we need to find that one. And that's our, that's kind of our goal in life. And not, not that that's the only goal, but that's one of the goals in life is to find that one. And then you are, all your, um, all your needs are met. They're fulfilled. But I feel like those kind of relationships, those friendships can be just as fulfilling and focusing on that can be more beneficial to you growing as a person instead of just focusing on what kind of romantic relationships do I need to have? Um, my last one would be that you are in control of like what happens to you at the end of the day. I feel like as a younger person, we are hardly like ever in the driver's seat, but now when we enter into adulthood, it's like we are the driver, we're the passenger, and we are the car too. So we do everything. So I feel like that's just something I wish I would have known too, that I am in control and I do have that power. But those are my five. Dude, that was so insightful. I'm so happy that you were able to be on the show today. Thank you for that. Daniel, what about you? Hey, man, y'all had some some fire examples. I really should have wrote these down. So I'm going to just say the ones that um, weren't already mentioned uh, for me. But my number one that I had down was your identity shouldn't lie in the work you do, but the person you want to become. Um, I feel like that was big for me graduating school because everybody wants to be involved in organizations. You know, you have school that maybe you're really passionate about. So maybe you're really smart. And so when you transition that into work, you know, everybody may not see the value, you know, maybe you bring to the table to a job. And so sometimes you get frustrated or caught up in trying to like be this person because your work looks so good. But you kind of have to think long term and you have to think about more from an inside out approach. You know, what type of person do you want to become and what steps can help me get there? Otherwise, you'll kind of feel like you'll put your identity in everything that you do. And ultimately, it shouldn't be in that because the things we do change every day. You know, we have so many influences coming in our life. So I'm like, all right, I need to figure out who I need to become first. And then let me tie that back to what I want to do with my life to get there. Um, so that was my one uh, financial literacy, one with that word or phrase even meant, you know, having a savings account, you know, paying off debt. Um, all of these different things school does not teach you, you know, taking the time to like invest as much time as I did into my schoolwork into like setting myself up for when I graduate, because there is like a financial process for everything you want to do. You want to buy a house, you want to invest, you want to, you know, grow wealth or whatever that looks like for the person. It's always a financial 
you know, process that we have to learn how to do those things. I was not worried about that in school. You know, I was worried about everything else. So I wish I was that way. You know, a lot of things would have been more organized and I would have understood credit, you know, like you mentioned, and you know, understanding health insurance and all these different things that pull out of my bills. I'm like, man, where my check at? You know, that's, I need my money. But yeah, financial literacy for sure. Um, my next one is I studied business when I was in school. Um, and when I think about who I wanted to become, I was like, man, I really want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a business owner. But um, just because you studied business, I studied marketing and I also studied entrepreneurship does not mean that you know how to own a business. Um, a lot of it is philosophy and a lot of it is grade based. You know, they don't really teach you about the failures that come with business. So most of the businesses learn by experience. But if you go to school, it's like a curriculum and a theory and all the things that you read. But that's just not really life, you know. So I wish I would have known that to do some of the things that I really wanted to do with my life. So that's number three. Uh, four is uh, the difference between soft skills and hard skills. So being in the technology industry, you know, I'm around a lot of engineers and like really technical people that know how to code and I don't know, make robots do backflips and stuff like that. Me, I all I did, I studied marketing. So everything was about selling and marketing a product or a service. So it was a totally different you know, mindset coming into that environment. So for me, I wish I would have known like the importance of like learning you know, maybe basic coding or learning like, you know, basic specific skill sets that even if you could use it at work, you know, let's say if you wanted to do graphic design or, you know, if you wanted to do any form of like, you know, creating websites and all of these different things that require interfaces, you know, that's cool stuff that you want to be able to do, apply for your job and apply for work. But I didn't know that because I didn't know how important it was, especially in today's society where technology is running everything we do. It's so critical to have some of those skill sets to do. So that's me. And for number five, it kind of ties into financial literacy, but I'll just say this from a spiritual standpoint, uh, find God or God will find you. Um, so that's just for me. Uh, I know he, he found me in a, in a place when I graduated. So, but I'm thankful he did because now I, I know what I know. So if you don't believe in anything, I hope you believe in, in something, at least I, I believe in him. So that's my five. Thanks, Thanks. Daniel. I'm going to have some follow-up questions for you coming at the end, but for now, we'll switch over to Daria. Daria, what do you have for us? Okay, so for my first one, just like everyone else, my first thing is budget, budget, budget. My parents were good about teaching me about, like, credit, you know, putting money to the side, like, just basically being financially responsible. But when I got a real job, I was like, oh, I got some money now. I had never seen that before because I've been working part-time my whole life. And so when I got that, like, my first instinct was to be irresponsible. Like, I was eating out all the time. I was, like, going, like, hanging with my friends, just, like, blowing money, doing, like, just a lot of stuff that wasn't necessary. And so I eventually had to sit down and take a look at my finances and be like, um, you can't do this forever. And so basically that budgeting is very important seeing where your money goes. Cause when I uh, looked at all my credit card expenses, just to see like where my money was going for a month, like the amount I was spending on food was ridiculous. Okay. Um, the second thing I put is taking care of your body. Um, when I first started working, um, I, I'm an accountant. So like, I just sit down, I don't do much moving all day versus uh, high school. I was doing sports, you know, uh, college, you know, you're walking around campus, you're moving, you're doing whatever. So when I got my first sit-down job, I had gained like 10 pounds over the course of a year. I was like, 
I can't just be eating out for Chick-fil-A for breakfast, you know, canes for lunch and then Popeye's for dinner or something like that. Like, I can't do that anymore since I'm not doing anything. And so I had to, like, get my life together to get that weight off because I was like, no, this isn't okay. Uh, so definitely taking care of your body, watching what you eat. That's something that was never a thought in my mind until then. Uh, the third thing I have is... Um, be careful for your career expectations after school. You're not going to come out of school making six figures unless you're like, I guess maybe an engineer or something or like a really big investment financial person. I'm not sure what job you could get making six figures out of college, but that's really unrealistic, honestly. And I feel like social media portrays that um, by the time you're 25, you should be have a car, a house, basically the whole nine yards and that's really unrealistic for a lot of people definitely don't don't think you have to have it all together by the time you're 25 um another thing i have uh emphasize paying down debt uh like i said in my first one about budgeting uh part of my reason to do that was so i could pay down my debt um i had to get like my first finance my first car because my old car that i bought cash was giving me problems and so, like, I was looking at the statement, and I was paying probably, like, $70 in interest a month. And I was like, what the heck? That's ridiculous. I'm not going to keep doing this for the six years that it's supposed to do. So I really buckled down. And um, I will say one thing that helped. I stayed at home. Staying at home. If you live, like, in a – if your parents live close to a big metroplex where you can get to work and not have to move out, 10 out of 10 recommend. But because of that, I was able to pay down almost all of my undergrad loans and pay off my car entirely. And now I'm able to pay for grad school out of pocket. So if people have that opportunity, I 10 out of 10 recommend. And then the fifth thing is just how many things you have to pay to be alive. Uh, student loans, insurance, car, no rent, water, trash, electricity. And then that's not even counting the rainy day expenses. You know, if your car breaks down, just random stuff that pops up. So basically, it's a lot to be expensive. It's expensive to be a lot. I said that backwards. So yeah, those are my five things. Thanks, Daria. Um, as promised, I have a follow-up question for all of y'all. So we'll just circle back to the top. So Justin, I'm wondering, you talked a lot about um, having to learn the hard way about credit. Um, what did you do to fix your credit? Or how did you kind of navigate that process? Well, the first thing, um, I did was I downloaded the Credit Karma app, and um, then I started I started just reading articles just on how to improve your credit score, um, and then I started calling uh, all of the, the places that I owe. So, and a lot of the people <laughs> in not necessarily in my life, but a lot of people I talk to, oh, you don't have to pay that. That's gonna fall off in seven years. That's gonna well. In my mind, I was like, well, I'm 22, just graduated. When I turn 29, I don't want to have to wait for something to fall off in seven years. I want to pay it now. I want to get it done now so then I can see, you know, that score go up. Because, like, unfortunately, you know what I'm saying, in life, we're judged by those three numbers, those three credit scores. And so I won't, I don't want to have to wait till I'm 29, you know what I'm saying, to, to get a house because, you know, my credit score is bad because, like, all of this stuff is going to drop off all at once. I don't have to wait to, you know, try to get a car and all that type of stuff. So uh, I just read articles. Um, I went and I did pay my debt. And uh, a point that Daria made, uh, that was a very good point. 10 out of 10 would recommend. I wish somebody would have told me to stay at home. 
Because as soon as I got my teaching job, I'm telling you, three months, I was in my own crib. Because that was, that was just me. That was like, that was the main thing to do. Like, yeah, I got my own crib. I should not. I should have. I should, yeah, like, I was feeling like a man, but like after everything was paid, I had like $40 in my pocket. I was like, uh-oh. And that goes back to budgeting and everything. But with, uh, but with the credit, I just, I stayed on top of it. And it's not, it never happens quickly. It gets damaged quickly, but it takes forever to repair and build back up. And so I just had to continue to be patient. Like it's, it's frustrating, but I had to continue to be patient and continue to pay. And then in, eventually, you know, a year and a half later, I see the score is, it's where I want it to be. And not, you know what I'm saying? Not, it's not perfect, no, but it's, it's in a good, I'm in a good place and I'm content with it. And now I'm in a place where I can build off of it to get things that can improve my credit. Because when your credit score is low, you can't really get credit cards or anything to improve it. So it, it's, a, it's a give and take. So I just, I did a lot of reading and I did a lot of research. Um, I read, and I would also recommend reading some financial literacy books. I know the main one everybody reads is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, that's, a, that's a good read that definitely helped me out a lot. Uh, but yeah, just just reading and staying on top of it, staying consistent. Justin, that was very insightful. I appreciate you sharing. So, Dooney, you talked some about the um, importance and value of mentorship. So, do you have mentors now in your life? And if someone was wanting to find a mentor, do you have suggestions on ways that they could go about doing that? Um, yeah, I keep in contact with a lot of my mentors that I gained through college, and I found, um, I think the best way to get mentors and to get role models is to um, join things, is to join things that you're interested in, because then you'll find someone who's done something that you've tried and failed at or has figured out a better way to um, do things that you want to do. And so it's all, it's, it's a lot about who you know, but it's more about that connection and finding people who just vibe with you and resonate with what you're about. Um, I think that a good way, like I said, to join stuff, but other ways, I mean, through, we have social media is this big, just this big hole with so many people in it. And we, we find people through the comments, through the likes, through other things. And so I feel like just searching, doing your research and finding out like, is that person someone I would want to, you know, be around? Is that someone I want to expose my energy to, or is that someone, um, that, talks shows what i'm about but isn't really about that you know i think just having those honest conversations and figuring out because more oftentimes than not people are willing to help other people but if y'all don't connect if the energy isn't there then go to someone else there's so many people in this world if there shouldn't be a limit on how many people you can connect with to in, in order to help you grow thanks for that i definitely think that mentorship is something that maybe becomes like a little more challenging or it requires a little more courage as you get older. I think when you're younger, like you have like, you know, your favorite teacher or like the advisor that really believes in you. But as you get older, you really have to start seeking these people out for yourselves because, you know, they have 40 hour a week jobs like you have 40 hour a week jobs. And so I definitely think um, something similar to what you mentioned earlier, like you really have to be intentional about the pursuit of a mentor. So Daniel, a um, couple questions for you. Um, first thing, I would love to know a little bit more about um, kind of how you made this differentiation of understanding that you needed to separate your identity 
from the activities that you were a part of? Like, how did you get there? Yeah, I mean, it came from having like a, a reputation or like brand, so to speak, from school. And when I got to work, you know, nobody cares that I'm in a fraternity. Nobody cares that you were president or vice president of these things or that you led this organization. You know, you have roles and responsibilities that you have to do, and that's their expectation of you. And so I found myself kind of tying my image and myself to those things, when in reality, it wasn't necessarily about the title or the image that it portrayed, but it was more so about who was I trying to become or like what type of person that I want people to view me as. And so that isn't necessarily tied to the action you do, because if it was, then when I look at my job and the individual things that I do, I mean, it doesn't necessarily demonstrate my leadership capability or the man that I've been called to be, you know? So that's when I realized I was like, okay, I can't go to work, you know, expecting to like fill all these different voids in my life that I want to become. Like I believe somebody mentioned, like you, you guide your own life, you know, you're, you determine what are the things you want to do? The things that happen to you are because of something. So if I knew if I tied my identity to my work, then I was going to be disappointed with the outcomes that I was going to get from life. So it came from pain and then it turned into, all right, I need to start really personally growing and developing myself to really see what are the steps that I need to take to reach like my level of what success looks like to me. So that's kind of how I thought about it. Thank you. That's super insightful. And I think it's definitely something that a lot of people struggle with when they get out of college, that like kind of barrier. Um, other question I wanted to ask you is, you talked some earlier about financial literacy. So how are you learning financial literacy now or what steps did you take to become more educated in that realm? Yeah, well, again, that started with pain too. Uh, started with a lot of bad financing decisions. I financed my furniture, financed my car. Um, if there was anything I could find, I financed my washer and dryer. Like it was just like so many things that, you know, people will tell you like, oh yeah, you know, just put a little bit down, you know what I'm saying? Pay a little monthly bill. But you know, as these reoccurring bills stack up, you're like, man, I don't have any money after my check because literally automatic payments, they snatching it regardless. So I hope there's something in there, you know, or you, you know, you'll be, you'll be stuck. So it came from that. And then that's when I realized I was like, okay, when I think about how I was raised, a lot of financial literacy things that I know now weren't taught to me. So I couldn't have known any better. And in school, which I thought would teach me financial literacy basics, or at least principles, they didn't really teach me either. So I was like, okay, I need to really buckle down and see what are, you know, not even successful people doing, but what are the basic foundational principles that financially literate people need to do just to make sure that they're not living paycheck to paycheck? Because I saw that. I know what that lifestyle produces from how I was raised. I don't want to live that way. So, like, I started reading. I, like, I, I really picked up reading. I, I love to read now. And doing a lot of research and just, uh, one, talking to people. Um, learning about people's experiences and the mistakes that they made and saying, okay, well, the, this is what financial literacy looks like for a graduate student. You know, this is what financial literacy looks like for somebody who wants to start a business or somebody who wants to start investing or somebody that wants to do anything. You know, it, it kind of fits different terms. And so where I was at in life, I was like, all right. And that started with people too. A lot of financial decisions are influenced by the people that you're around. So that's a whole nother story about, you know, your surroundings and your environment and who you have around you, but it does affect your finances. And if people aren't thinking on the same level as you, then you'll continuously make the same financial decisions that most of your friends are making too. So all of that from reading, research, experience, talking to people, and yeah, we, we thank God. We blessed. 
Thanks, Daniel. Um, I think one of the most important things you said was really just starting with the basics. I think a lot of people really want either like, I want to be up here. I want to be this person. Like you got to, you got to build up there. And so I think that's an important um, comment that you made. Um, so Daria, for you, you talked a lot about how when you first started working, a lot of your money went to food and then you started gaining weight. And so I'm wondering now how your eating habits have improved or what you tried differently to, um, kind of, I guess, adults a little better? Um, the main thing I did was I just stopped eating out all the time. Like, when I'm telling you I was eating out, like, three times a day sometimes, it was bad. And so it was it wasn't that hard. Like, I started bringing my lunch sometimes. Um, I'd like to say I work out, but I don't. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just really started. Um, one thing I tried was, like, intermittent fasting. That's where you eat for, like, the most common one is eating eight hours of the day. Like my first meal will be at like noon and my last meal will be at eight. And then another thing I have to do is keep myself busy because I'm a bored snacker. Like I'm really bad about eating when I'm bored. So um, just trying to keep myself occupied so I'm not constantly walking to the kitchen to see what's in the fridge. So those were like the main things I did. No, I definitely get that. Um, it's something about like that 3 p.m. crunch at work where you're just like, you know, I should be eating something. I'm kind of sleepy. Maybe if I eat this snack, I'll stay awake. So no, I definitely understand the snacking. So I have one final question for y'all. Um, and anyone can kind of like chime in um, based off of what you have to share. Um, so I'm wondering, um, each of you all have started taking steps in your career path. So I'm wondering what has been the most rewarding part about taking your first steps, what you've learned, and what career advice you might offer to someone who's kind of in between jobs right now or really just trying to find their way. I think that I would say some people think that like finding your dream job is the only goal in life, but you have so many opportunities to learn different things along the way with other jobs that you can do. Like I was... Um, in college i was like a peer leader but i like had like i was in control of the classes so that helps me transition to teaching because then i knew how to like put grades in into a system i was an orientation leader and that learned me how that taught me how to speak in front of people in front of large groups of people i think being a server i i mean i learned how to hold six drinks in my hand i don't know but <laughs> i think just not thinking that i have to you have to wait to find that dream job and then not just cancel out anything else, cancel those other opportunities out of your life and not welcome them and see what they can do to help you grow and change. Cause you might figure out, you might learn that you don't necessarily want to continue on the path that you were on, or you might figure out that you are better suited doing something else. I just not limiting yourself to one specific thing that you just may have studied in college that you may have wanted aspired to be just opening being open-minded about where where your life can take you just learning those soft and hard skills and not just being closed-minded about what you can become yeah no nah, that's definitely definitely some good tips definitely some good advice uh, and once again i wish somebody would tell me that too uh one thing that i can say make sure i know and it's kind of cliche but it's the truth make sure you love what you do um i remember in freshman orientation when i was going when i was in school <laughs> freshman orientation this um one guy he said we're not looking to set you up with jobs we're looking to set you up with careers because the job stands for just over broke 
and that that always that always set with me because I mean people move on from job to job and you know they're they're never happy they're always looking for the best pay uh, but I know people that don't necessarily make the most if they're not like a really respected job a really respected you know career but they love what they do and when someone was like you know do don't go after the money go after what makes you happy I was like mm, yeah you can miss me with all that I'm going after the money but it took some time and it took some some soul searching to really be like okay no nah, that it's because it never feels like work when you're actually doing what you what you love and so people always ask me well why are you a teacher you don't get paid much and I'm like you're absolutely right I don't but I love interacting with the kids I love mentoring I love being a mentor a counselor you know I love I love helping them out you know what I'm saying with with real world issues you know some of them don't have you know, father figures. So they look to me for things like that. So I just, my thing is just make sure that you love what you do. And if you love what you do, it'll never feel like work. So, and if you're in between jobs, um, I would say be, be realistic um, in, your, in your approach to your dream job. Like never give up on your dream, but also where you're at, you have to be realistic. And so you may have to do something you don't want to do until you can do what you want to do. And you know what I'm saying, just continue to grind and just continue to work hard. Uh, no, I was just thinking about man, like there's there's so many different like thought processes that people take say I want my dream job, you know, and like both of y'all mentioned, like you get so caught up in trying to like achieve this specific thing that you lose sight of like so many things change in life, you know, eventually you're gonna have a family, eventually all these different major events that'll come and kind of knock you off of this timeline, so to speak, that you wanted. So I think, man, I, and we mentioned it earlier, just the importance of building relationships and like intentional relationships. And I know people talk about networking and meeting different people and things along that, that nature, but I think networking and building a relationship with someone is totally different. Um, networking sometimes feels like an agenda, but relationships is really contingent on, you know, your values, your morals, and how that ties into the other person and how you can both work together to get kind of to where you're trying to go. And so when I think back of anything as far as high level achievement, you know, in my career thus far has been from the relationships that I've made um, and being intentional about really getting to know people and knowing why they do what they do. Why do you love this? You know, why are you willing, you know, to help somebody like me get to where I'm trying to go? And usually that's tied into something that they love. You know, I very rarely see people who work jobs that are so willing to help the next person, you know, get to where they're trying to go. It's typically somebody who loves what they do so much that they would rather see other people succeed because that makes them feel better at the end of the day. And I would rather connect with that type of person who's just, you know, grind, hungry, I just want the bag, you know, and you'll be doing that for the rest of your life. And the bag will always be running away from you, you know. So I would rather, you know, connect and really build proper relationships with people that are more introspective and love what they do because I know they'll be able to give me solid and sound advice, not something that benefits them at the end of the day. The career advice I have is being intentional about assessing your personality. For example, I can be kind of antisocial. So me sitting at a desk all day not talking to people does not bother me one bit. I actually very much enjoy it. Uh, I know like I couldn't like do me just when they're both teachers. Um, I don't have the patience for that. I'm sure it's like very rewarding, you know, being with kids and you know, kids are fun, but I just know it's not for me. Um, another thing, um, I really enjoy my coworkers. They may come to work. I, I don't want to say tolerable, that sounds bad, but um, they make it like 
kind of worth it like just having good people around so if you're getting like bad negative vibes from your job um that it might it might not be the place for you um as far as a dream job i don't really have a dream job maybe it's because i'm young and uh i haven't quite found what my purpose is but one thing um i would like to do is teach financial literacy to kids as you saw through this conversation it's not common at all especially in our community as so um maybe going back to my old high school um, you know teaching them about how credit works um uh, choosing uh your major like taking out student loans because you know there's a student loan debt crisis um being smart about the loans you take from school because a lot of people you know get the refund and then go like buy a car or clothes or stuff they don't need when in reality they should be either using that money to live or giving it back paying it back instantly basically um career advice just being figuring out who you are if you can beforehand before you invest thousands of dollars into a college education awesome thank y'all so much for sharing um, of course, everyone has unique struggles as they enter adulthood, but I do think that there are a lot of commonalities as we've seen here on this call. So I really appreciate each of you sharing your experiences with the listeners and taking time out your day to be on the show. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I'd like to welcome you to the post-show conversation where I spend a few minutes with a guest discussing different angles of social justice and what that looks like practically. I'd like to welcome my guest this week, Ms. Morgan Kelly. Hi, how is how are you, Gabby? I'm doing well. I'm so happy that you could join us this week for these few minutes of discussion. Yes, yes. So we'll just jump right in. Um, so I'm wondering for you, Morgan, how you're currently managing your sphere of influence as it relates to the racism climate in America. Yeah, so that's actually a loaded question. It so is. <laughs> I swear I'm going through like the seven stages of grief. But girl, um, for me, I definitely think that I've spent the last week and a half um, or the first two weeks really angry and really just trying to understand. And I think that for me, um, sometime last week, I realized that I really need to re-channel my anger and frustration with everything going on and really figure out mm -hmm. what I can do from my end. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, I'm not out protesting per se. But for me, I'm really trying to, on my social media sites, provide resources, um, educate those that do not look like us, do not share their experiences or share our experiences. And then also, I'm trying to do everything in my power in the space that I'm in, which is corporate America, to bring awareness to the issue and to start talking about it. Yeah, I totally get that. And it's funny that you say you kind of recently had a perspective shift. I think I went through something similar where, you know, you feel so small when you look at this huge headline and this huge systemic issue until you really zoom in on your own sphere of influence and you begin to acknowledge what you actually have control over. And then I think that's how you begin to regain some of your power. And so I totally relate to what you're saying. Thanks for sharing that. So have you always taken this type of ownership where you've recognized your power and your voice and your ability to speak up and speak out? Honestly, honestly speaking, I would say no. So for me, right, um, and mm -hmm. I'll speak on, on the corporate space, right? So for me, I've been at my company for about a year now. Mm -hmm. And I think as a young Black woman, everything they tell you going into corporate America, it's kind of like, hey, you know, 
heads down, just, you know, stay in your lane, do your work, you know, whatever. So for me at at the very beginning, like, yeah, like I was kind of scared to speak up. And, and I think part of that was because one, I'm like, okay, I know that as a black woman, I already have that stereotype working against me where if I speak up against something, I'm automatically going to be labeled as aggressive or I'm automatically Uh going to be a problem. Um, so for me, and I'm like, I'm trying to keep my job, right? I'm fresh right. out of school. I'm trying not to, you know, shake anything up. Uh, I need to pay my rent. Um, so yeah. Come I on. Think, look, I think at the beginning I was scared. <laughs> um, but I had certain experiences during my time um, working for my first year. And I realized I'm like, how, how much of a disservice would I be doing to myself and the women that are coming behind me? If I don't speak up when I see something wrong or I don't speak up when I see something that could be better or an opportunity. Right. Um, Yeah. For a small example. Right. Um, You talked about your how to work within your spheres of influence. So for me, I know that I can't move mountains by myself. Right. Mm -hmm. I know that our generation won't be able to move this big mountain by ourselves. It's going to take our generation, the generation coming after us, and so on and so on. But Because we're carrying the mountain for someone else. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but for me, I'm like, okay, so who within my influence do I know with this company, right? And for those executives that I have a relationship with, um, especially those who are white, right? I need to have that conversation because I think everybody's afraid to say the R word, which is race, Right. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, the solution is, oh, let's just do unconscious bias training and then everything. Let's solved. use diversity. <laughs> right. Right. And I think a lot of companies view diversity as, oh, women versus men. I mean, if you mm-hmm. open up the unconscious bias training, a lot of it is, oh, how, how to make sure you're treating women as your equal. But we never talk about the R word and that's race. So um, what I've been doing is trying to empower myself to have that conversation and be okay with saying the R word in corporate America, which is race, you know, let's talk about it. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think the conversation is where a lot of transformation happens, which is also, you know, a contributing factor to why we are where we are now, because no one wants to have the conversation or people don't see the value in the conversation. So I completely agree with that. Um, you've talked a little bit about, you know, this is your first year in corporate America. So as being a young black woman in corporate America, do you see that as a space where you want to stay and grow? (laughs) So I think this one's a good one. I think if you would have asked me this six months ago, I would have said, absolutely not. Don't do it. It's daunting. Get out when you can. Um, and I think that six months forward to now, um, I think that my perspective has changed. So hmm. I think when you experience different things um, as a black woman in corporate America, it makes you want to quit. It makes you want to retreat and not be a part of it because it's not fun. <laughs> I think corporate America already has its politics as it is, but especially when you are a person of color, especially a young person of color who also is a woman, you have to yeah. be working against yourself. So For me, I think, like I said, six months ago, I would have said, no, it's not a space I want to be in. But what I'm trying to do right now is capitalize on the space that I'm in, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm like, 10 years down the line, who knows about me? Who knows where I'll be, whether I'll have my own business, whether I'll be at another company, a different position, whatever. But what I'm trying to focus on now is I'm like, I am am in the corporate space, right? This is where I'm, I feel I was meant to be. God placed me in this spot for right now. 
and I'm trying to make an impact in the space that I'm in. So that's what I'm focused on right now is if I'm if I'm going to have to be in corporate America for right now just to make ends meet and kind of figure out what I want to do, I want to at least be able to make a splash during this time. Come on, splash. (laughs) So the work is hard and the work is heavy. And sometimes you just say, you know what, I'm tired. Um, Just in the midst of constant prejudices and just covert and overt racism, I'm wondering for you personally, how you take time to self-care, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. Yes, yes. All important things. So I would be lying to you if I said, oh, yeah, I at this time I do this and, you know, yeah, I struggle with that myself because I'm the type. I want to take on the world's problems. I want to solve world hunger. I want to solve the race issue. I want to solve all of that. But I think community is big for me right now. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I know a lot of people don't have people at work that look like them that they can identify with and talk with. But I found that the most healing and, and mental escape that I have is leaning on my community. So whether that's my boyfriend, my family, my my close work coworkers that we've built kind of like a little community within the workplace. My escape Mm -hmm. is venting. Like I hate having my emotions bottled up and I know that people handle things in different ways, but for me in the space I'm in right now, it's important that I'm like, okay, let me share. Let me, let me gather your experiences and let's work through this together. So I definitely think that community is super, super important for me right now. Yeah. Community is so important. Um, I think sometimes you just need some level-headed people to help you process through the emotions and the feelings. Um, the risk you run when you don't have community is you just internalize those feelings and they build up and build up. And eventually, at some point, they're going to come out, just not in a pleasant way that you can control. And so I definitely think that it's helpful to have people to talk to when you're going through those feelings and emotions to help you rationally think through them. So I appreciate you sharing that, Morgan. And that concludes our time today on the post-show conversation. So thank you so much for joining us this week. Yes, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for tuning in while the conversation was flowing. Follow A.Gabrielle Exclusives on Instagram and the conversation can keep going. I post once a week. Make sure you subscribe so you can stay up and catch this weekly vibe.